Welcome to My Two Cents with host J.R. Robinson and co-host Jessica Lonnie Rich. Are you on track for a secure retirement? If things go badly in the markets, will my nest egg still last? How do changing tax rules impact consumer savings and spending strategies? How do I know my financial advisor is competent and ethical? How do I organize my financial life? We'll answer important personal finance questions like these and so much more. And we'll do it in a way that makes a dry, arcane topic engaging and entertaining. And now, here are your hosts, JR and Jessica. Welcome to another episode of My Two Cents. I'm co-host Jessica Lonnie Rich with co-host J.R. Robinson. J.R. is the owner of Financial Planning Hawaii, and he's also the co-founder of the software maker Nest A Guru. Welcome back, J.R. Hi, Jessica. Uh, today's show is the 13th and final show in our Voice America pilot series. Um Went by pretty quickly, I think, and uh, I don't, I don't know where it'll all go from here. But um, I got to tell you, I have enjoyed this experience working with you very much. I'm, I'm extremely grateful for you to helping me, uh, helping me learn the ropes in radio and and wade into podcasting. Um, you're a wonderful host, so our co-host, and I, I thank you very much. Well, thank you, Jr. And I have thoroughly enjoyed it as well. And not only that, I have really enjoyed learning so much from you. So what do you have in store for today's show? Well, today's program um, has been on my mind for a while. And in today's show, um, what I'd like to do is to lift the curtain on popular financial planning software to really help consumers understand what's under the hood and to help them understand the limitations of the apps that they may be using or their advisors may be using and the danger of relying too heavily on the uh, results that the application spit out. And I believe it's an important topic because in my opinion, uh, most consumers and frankly, most financial advisors really don't have a clue as to what the assumptions are that they're making. And, um, and when they're running the apps and, and the internal assumptions that the apps are making, and just how often unreliable the output may be. So the title of today's show is um, What Consumers Should Know About Financial Planning Apps, and, and that's sort of my agenda today. That sounds great. And this is right up your alley, isn't it? Since your software company, Neste Guru, makes financial planning software. Yes, uh, this is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. In, in fact, Nest Egg Guru was created out of my own frustration with the existing universe of financial planning software for financial advisors. And since, um, since I headed on this sort of, I guess you'd call it a startup software odyssey back in 2015, I've become pretty well versed in the fintech universe and have developed my usual strong feelings about both the software that's being fed to consumers and the software that's marketed to financial planners like me. Well, as always, I'm sure our listeners are looking forward to hearing about your two cents on this subject. And you are usually pretty clear in your positions, as it sounds like today will be in, in that vein, too. So to start us off, could you tell our listeners what FinTech is? I'm not sure everyone is familiar with that term. Sure. So uh, FinTech is simply a blending of the words finance and technology. And these days it encompasses the broad universe of software ranging from enterprise level software that's used by big banks and brokerage firms to run and maintain their operations down to the systems that protect personal finance practices. And then all the way down to the apps that are used to help individual retail consumers plan for their futures. So today's uh, discussion will focus on the latter, uh, con you know, consumer-facing, uh, consumer software for, for French planning. That sounds great. And I'm really looking forward to hearing everything you have to say. So will today's discussion be more directed to regular consumers, to people who work with financial advisors? Uh, my commentary today, I think, will, will address both the software used by DIY investors as well as the apps that are, are typically used by financial planners with their clients. I'm not going to talk too much about any specific app, but it's relevant to, to 
to all consumers. And DIY, of course, is do-it-yourself investors. Well, let's get started then. I'm really anxious to hear what you have to say. And can you begin by telling us how you wandered into the fintech space? So uh, way back in the early 2000s, uh, the hottest topic in the financial planning research world, and um, it's a hot topic actually still today, is the concept of retirement portfolio sustainability. That is how long people's money may last. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, any idea why it became a hot topic during that period, that early 2000s? No, but I'm all ears. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it, it's really all about the baby boomers. And um, the baby boomer, boomers, of course, represents the, the big jump in the population that began with babies being born following the end of World War II and sort of continue this population upswing until um, until uh, the cutoff date for baby boomer generations, I guess, 1965. And the first members of the baby boomer generation started to hit age 65, roughly the retirement, you know, the standard what people have in their mind is the retirement age in around 2011. And they've been retiring en masse ever since. And as you might imagine, retirement portfolio sustainability is of great interest to those people. I mean, it's of interest to, to uh, people of all generations, but if you're retiring, you want to make sure you have enough. So um, anyway, the wave of, of boomer retirements didn't sneak up on anyone. We've known this has been working its way through the pipeline for years. And so from about the mid-1990s through today, there's been a slew of, of research papers that have been written seeking to advance um, our ability to make baby boomer retirement portfolios last longer. And the wake-up call for the importance of this topic was really provided by two severe, painful, prolonged bear markets for stocks and for real estate. That uh, first one began with a dot-com bubble bursting in, in 2000 and was hit right on the heels of that was 9-11. Uh, so we had a you know, two or three year major down market, uh, brought the stock market down 50, over 50% at its lowest point. And then followed just a few years later with the subprime mortgage collapse and the financial crisis of 2007 to 2009, another really prolonged, severe, painful time. Um, in the investment world. And many Americans who had the misfortune of retiring at the end of 1999, you know, right before, um, this is before the baby boomer wave hit, but there are plenty of people retiring all the time. And so if you retired at the end of 1999, you retired right before the two worst bear markets since the Great Depression. And a lot of people who retired and thought they had enough to retire in 2000 found themselves forced back to work and back into the job market, usually at much lower paying jobs because their retirement savings had already been depleted. So the goal of researchers was and still is to help consumers um, survive such volatile market environments and to plan for them. And I've read many of the early research papers that were produced for the financial planning community in the 1990s. And I was reading them as they were coming out. And um, I was also an early adopter of really the first mainstream retirement simulation app, um, an app called Money Guide Pro, which is still a, a dominant player in the space today. Um, that was really the first app to apply a simulation methodology called Monte Carlo analysis um, to help planners and their clients gain a better understanding of, of whether their portfolios can survive under adverse conditions. So I've been a, you know, in this space dealing with it for a long time. Um, and at the same time, in the mid 2000s, um, I, I extended my interest in, in this topic beyond just reading papers, and, and I teamed up with three uh, finance professors from the University of Hawaii's Scheidler College of Business. And um, we wrote a suite of research papers, uh, four papers in total, and we're writing on retirement income portfolio sustainability. And um, all four of them were published in peer-reviewed journals, and, and actually three of them we were fortunate enough to have win, uh, win Best Paper Awards. So uh, it's a subject, like I said, near and dear to my heart. It's something I know reasonably well. Wow, that sounds fantastic. And JR, it also sounds like you're pretty passionate about that too. <laughs> well, you know me, yes. Passion, passion is definitely the right word and um, obsessive sometimes even. But as you know, I'm, I'm passionate about financial planning in general. And what happens is when I get fixated on a topic, I tend to take a pretty deep dive into it. And it may be a dive that lasts several years. Um, these days, I, we talked about on previous shows, but my deep dive is focused on the demographics of financial advisor misconduct. But I'm still actually still actually working on a couple of papers as we speak on, on the topic of retirement income sustainability, too. So um, it's a, it, it is and will continue to be a big, uh, a very important topic. Uh, anyway, when I, was, when I was writing all these papers, it occurred to me 
that the methodology that we were using in our, our research with these papers I was writing with, uh, with UH, that the methodology uh, might solve for some of the problems and the limitations that were bothering me um, with Money Guide Pro and also some of the other popular consumer apps that were coming out. So um, I asked one of my co um, one of my uh, co-authors if he thought that we could convert the app that we were using to write our papers into an app that financial planners could use. And he said he thought we could. Um, so from there, we were, were fortunate enough to get our idea accepted into Blue Startups, um, which is uh, one of Hawaii's two wonderful startup accelerator programs. And um, when we were in that program, we were introduced to our third co-founder who runs a software development and um, uh, software outsourcing company. And, um, and that basically brought our idea from concept to reality. And that's basically how we came to form Nested Guru. That, that sounds like a really exciting process. So what are the issues you have with financial planning software today, JR? Well, my sense is that most consumers, whether, whether they use a financial planner or not, uh, are under the mistaken impression that the projections the financial planning software they're using um, produces are, are realistic. And in fact, Many of today's apps present results in, in terms of uh, a so-called probabilities of success. Uh, most of the time, the users of these apps, and, and actually many times it's even financial advisors, um, don't really have any idea what the internal assumptions are of the software. Um, and, and the idea that even small differences between assumptions and reality can lead to huge margins of error when you're illustrating over a long period of time, such as a 20-year college planning horizon or a 30 or 35-year retirement horizon. So small differences or small changes in assumptions really make big differences at the end. So in short, I think most financial planning software that's used for planning around common long-term goals, whether it's saving for college or saving for retirement or spending in retirement, um, you know, include, in, in, you know, that software, including the apps that, that financial planners like me use, um, they're honestly still all really more show than go. So um, most of the planning software that you know, planners like me use costs anywhere between two and $5,000 a year. And I've often quipped that they're really their greatest value is um, in creating the perception of sophistication um, rather than actually being really sophisticated, useful, realistic planning software. So when you, JR, when you say that the software that financial planners use is more sophisticated than when those that consumers use, what do you mean by that exactly? That's a great question. So when I say sophisticated, what I basically mean is there are more inputs. Um, professional financial planning software may have 30 or, or more different inputs that might take the financial planner a half an hour or more to actually input all of the data. And along with those more inputs, the, the engine under the hood tends to be more sophisticated too, because it'll often integrate with social security and pension income and, and taxes um, and take a very granular view to a client's portfolio. So that's why I mean that the software that we're using tends to be more sophisticated than what the consumers are using on their own. Of course. Wow. And that seems like it would make the software actually more realistic and reliable. But you were saying that it's not necessarily the case? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. So um, the more inputs, the more opportunities for estimation errors. And the more errors along the way, the bigger the discrepancy between the model and reality over long periods of time. So it's the old adage of um, a butterfly fluttering its wings in China leads to a typhoon on the other side of the world. And you know, maybe that today that's not maybe the best analogy to make, but, um, but you get the idea. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. uh, a, a few years ago, I, I actually produced a short little animated video from, for Nestle Guru in which I explained how um, software with complex inputs might actually more accurately be described as a garbage in, garbage out machine. So lots of inputs doesn't necessarily make it more realistic. In fact, it can make it less so sometimes. I see the problem, but what else is there for investors to do to try to plan for their futures? Does Nestle Guru solve that? Um, I think the solution to that to that problem really involves changing the way consumers use planning software and um, 
changing the way it's presented to them. I think we really need to get away from this notion that we can predict the future market returns or that software can give probabilities of certain investment returns. Uh, it can't. Uh, I see all the uh, all the com- all these commercials from investment firms and insurance companies implying that their software can help consumers determine their magic retirement number or determine their probability of running out of money. And they, honestly, they really just drive me nuts. It's honestly rubbish. Um, so instead, I, I believe the best use of financial planning software is really as a tool to help consumers better understand the impact of different factors that are within their control, so that they can themselves. Um, or they can put themselves in 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 the best possible position to, to succeed. So that's um that's uh, uh that's how I think we should and, reshape our thinking. And we're going to hear more from J.R. Robinson. And the topic today is what consumers should know about financial app financial planning apps. Right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nest Egg Guru makes affordable software for financial advisor websites to help advisors better educate and engage with their clients. Consumers today no longer wish to receive book-length so-called financial plans that they'll never read after leaving their advisor's office. Instead, they want to be educated and to participate in the planning process. The three Nest Egg Guru planning apps help address your greatest financial fear. If things go badly in the markets, will I still be okay? Tell your financial advisor to step up his or her game at nesteggguru.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to my two cents we'd love to hear from you on the program today call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 if you'd rather send an email the email address is info at fphawaii.com now back to my two cents here again are your hosts jr robinson and jessica lani rich We're talking today about what consumers should know about financial planning apps with J.R. Robinson. And J.R., you mean just control what you can control. Can you explain, please? Yeah, sure. So what I was talking about before the break, um, I was talking about how um, the best use of financial planning software is to examine each of the factors that you can control the impact of those variables one at a time. Um, that's yeah, that is what you control rather than looking at future va- future predictions. Um, so that's honestly the most important step in um, you know, in in making sure you say that we can't predict thirty years down the road. But if you're taking the right steps today, obviously you're going to have um, the foundation laid to get there. You don't have any control over future market returns. But if you're doing all the things right, you enhance your chances of getting there rather than focusing on some you know, fic- fictitious estimated number that you know may or may not be attainable so um that's to me is the best use of software but um you know rather than using it as a predictive tool but i still think with software we can do a little bit better than just focusing on one variable at a time and the solution i think is to look at instead of looking at probabilities of success and um uh you know when we know that market returns are not predictable a better approach is to use stress testing techniques instead to um and and that we can do um and the basic uh, the basic concept is that, you know, based upon the handful of factors that you can control, such as the amount you spend or save, your investment allocation, the manner in which you spend down a portfolio, um, these are all different factors you can control. Um, with respect to stress-based things, we don't have any idea uh, how much you'll have at the end, but we can illustrate how much you might have if things go badly. And that's really what we, could, we you know, the focus of the software should be. Um, from from that, I think you can get a sense of whether you'll be okay. So I'm probably not doing a great job of explaining it, but I'll, I'll get better, I promise. Um, but it's it's a subtle but very real difference between the probabilities-based approach and the stress-testing approach. And there's a very um, well-known and highly regarded financial planner. Uh, his name was retired a few years ago. His name is Harold Ebensky. Uh, but he was one of the pioneers in financial planning software. And he has a quote that was sort of the mantra for creating nest egg guru in fact i have this this quote is written on my desk and it actually appears 
on the Nest Egg Guru website. And it says, um, we need to recognize that in planning for our client's future, we're dealing with ambiguity, not risk. And that the bottom line for investors today is being less concerned with the probability of success and more concerned with the consequences of failure. And the bottom line for brokers, reps, and other financial advisors is finding ways to model portfolios realistically. So um, I'll get into how we do that with Neste Guru later on, but what I want to do is lay the groundwork for that. And I thought it might be helpful to go over the different types of applications that most consumers use today and sort of the limitations of each of those. So I can develop that further. That sounds great. And, and so why don't you tell us about the different types of financial planning software, JR? Okay. So, um, and just to uh, back up a little bit, just to clarify, financial planning software is actually you know, a broad term that encompasses more than just the goal-based planning apps that we're discussing here today. In terms of the apps that are, are used to um, help people save and invest for common long-term planning goals, there are really basically three, if you count ours, four different types of simulation apps. And you know, the first and most simplistic of these is the basic retirement savings calculator. Um, and it asks, basically it asks consumers to put in how much you've saved, um, how much you plan to continue to save on a regular basis, and then put in the average rate of return that you expect you're going to earn over time. And you know, as, as far as a tool for estimating future savings, these applica- applications are okay. Um, the, you know, the app doesn't ask for any portfolio details, doesn't care about what your asset allocation is, just asks you, what do you think you can get? And if you get it, it'll tell you how much you, you'll get. So if you do a range of different returns, if you put in 0%, you put in 2% or 4% or whatever you put in, you'll get an idea of what the range would be if that's how your portfolio happens to shake out. Um, now, essentially, what, what savings calculators do is they, they're assuming a constant annual rate of return. And the problem obviously, is that's not in the real world, that's not really how things work. You don't get the same rate of return every single year. Um, but the problem with these apps is they, they really don't enable consumers the ability to illustrate the negative, the impact of negative returns and how that might affect their portfolios, especially as their goal dates approach, whether it's college, you know, if there's a big drop in your college savings right before college or right before retirement, it's a big deal. Um, so, and, and, and even worse, I mean, I always tell people you should never use those applications, never, ever, ever to use in retirement spending portfolios because the impact of down years early in retirement can have a significant impact on how long a portfolio may last. So simply put, well, the market returns may revert back to the linear average that you estimated that you get, but your portfolio might not. If you spend it, you know, get major down years early in retirement, you spend it, the markets may come back to the average that's projected, but you won't because all the money's gone. So um, they're not really good for, you can see the limitations in using them for real world planning, particularly on the spending side. Um, now, the second type of planning app involves using historical backtesting and um, to see how, you know, to see how a, a portfolio strategy might have fared in challenging past environments. Um, you know, you take your asset allocation, you compare it to how we've done in the past. It's useful information. It's a useful illustrative tool. And, but it has one big obvious limitation. And that is that investment returns are extremely unlikely to happen exactly the way they have in the past. Or, or to put it differently, past returns can illustrate um, uh, returns that may, um, that are the problem with using past returns. They can illustrate scenarios that are actually, you know, worse than the history. Who says that things can't be worse than anything that happened in the historical record? So, um, you know, they're, they're useful tools, but, but, um, but from a planning perspective, you want to be, you want to know what could happen if things will go bad. So um, the third type of app, and by far and away, the most prevalent factor, I've already mentioned it earlier in the show, but the, the most popular type in both the consumer and advisor space these days involves a simulation methodology called Monte Carlo analysis. And its primary advantage over the other two types of apps is that um, it allows the user to illustrate thousands of simulation scenarios in just a few uh, seconds and to illustrate potential outcomes that may be worse than anything on the historical record. So in most cases, the output is, in, is expressed in terms of a probability distribution. Um, and when applied to spending simulations, this is where you hear the expression probabilities of success. So for example, if an app ran a thousand simulations and 900 of them had money left at the end of the spending period, then the app might say there was a 90% probability of success. So uh, these days, 
Monte Carlo simulation software is ubiquitous in the financial planning space. In fact, I saw a couple of weeks ago that uh, Charles Schwab is rolling out a new Monte Carlo app to um, its DIY investor clients uh, that appears, it basically looks to me to be a complete knockoff on Money Guide Pro, uh, maybe a simplified version of it. And uh, Money Guide Pro is still the most popular uh, Monte Carlo simulation app for financial planners, though there are several others as well. But a big problem with all of these types of apps is that they're heavily, and when I say apps, I mean the Monte Carlo simulation apps, is that they're heavily driven by internal assumptions. So for example, nearly all of these apps assume constant allocation with rebalancing as the withdrawal spending methodology. But there's lots of research that says that that's not necessarily an efficient way to spend down the portfolio. It's just that's the assumption that the applications make. Um, perhaps more importantly, though, Monte Carlo apps also require the programmer, and sometimes the user, to make certain assumptions about the mean return in standard deviation of every type of asset that's in the portfolio, large cap stocks or mid cap stocks or foreign stocks or emerging markets, whatever the bonds, whatever the, the asset class is. Um, and as I mentioned uh, earlier, errors in these estimates um, can lead to garbage output. And the problem is that the mean return and standard deviation for assets isn't something that's fixed in stone. These change over time. So the mean return on stocks over the last 10 years may be totally different from what the mean return is on large cap stocks for the next 10 years. So it's very difficult to, to get um, accurate information. Basically, all of your assumptions are exactly that. Um, and so um, actually to illustrate this problem by example, I recently looked under the hood of a popular Monte Carlo app and discovered that it assumed an expected mean return on cash of 3%. And the internal um, assumption for bonds was a mean return of 5%. Now, um, I'm sure most of our listeners today are painfully aware, we can't get anything close to that on cash and bonds today. And as a result, if you're running this app and you don't know what the assumptions are that's under the hood, um, it's grossly overly optimistic in terms of the returns on bonds. And, um, you know, I expect there are actually a lot of Monte Carlo apps that have that same problem because interest rates are historic lower than bonds and, and um, on fixed income investments. So um, I often joke that there's uh, that um, optimism is a wonderful quality in people, but it's really a terrible quality in retirement software. And um, and that's what we see a lot of. So um, you got to understand the output. You really need to see what's under the hood and what assumptions they're making. Now, um, <laughs> so uh, it's, yeah, it's my it's financial planner humor. I can't help it. Um, <laughs> So I actually, I created a meme that says that too. Uh, so anyway, uh, some of the apps that people like me use go uh, allow us to go in and adjust the, those uh, returns ourselves. We can go in and adjust the expected return and the standard deviation. And um, But even when we're doing that, we're still just guessing. Go back to what I said before. You know, small changes in the assumptions, they, the big changes in the output. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a real limitation. And to make matters worse, most... Um, not all, but most Monte Carlo uh, simulation apps don't really disclose the internal assumptions that they're making. I really, this is what's bothered me about Schwab's making a big deal about this new app that's rolling out, but I can't find anywhere what assumptions they're making under the hood. So they're trying to use this software to plan your future. Well, how can you plan your future if you don't know what assumptions that you're making? So I think it's kind of dangerous, actually. So um, another problem I have with, with most Monte Carlo apps, too, is that their usefulness as a stress testing tool. Uh, especially for retirement spending, is pretty limited because they actually fail to illustrate portfolio remaining balance data over time. Um, and it's pretty deep in the weeds here, but um, while most Monte Carlo simulations tend to tell the users um, the number of spending simulations that succeeded, it's really more useful to tell how, how, how long the failed simulations lasted. Like, did they almost make it or did they not even come close? There's really relevant data to consumers if you're assessing the depletion risk in your portfolio. So anyway, that's probably more than people wanted to know. Wow, JR, that is a lot of information to digest. So how does Nest Egg Guru fit into all this that you're telling us about? Yeah, it is a lot to digest. And I'm not sure I explained it as clearly as I could have, but that's a talk show for you. So I tried. But uh, I, apologize. So I apologize for the deep dive, but I swim in this pond every day and I understand that, you know, this presentation can be a little bit like drinking water from a fire hose. But um, the bottom line, as far as the discussion goes, is that consumers need to be really wary of relying too heavily on the results that are spit out from Monte Carlo simulation software. 
um, and especially without having any understanding of the explanation of the assumptions that the app is making. Now, as for Nest Egg Guru, um, it's actually one of a handful of apps that uses a different simu simulation methodology altogether. And the methodology that we're using is called bootstrapping. And um, it's it's commonly used in, in academic research. Uh, that's where that's how I was introduced to it, obviously. Um, and the way this works is that instead of making assumptions about the mean return and standard deviation of the various asset classes that we're illustrating, um, we randomly sample historical return data for each asset class. And so we don't have to make any assumptions about past returns. We're just randomly sampling the past returns in different orders in which they actually occur. So it has an advantage over historical backtesting in that through random sampling, we actually can show results that are worse than the historical record. Um, but um, in, in terms of stress testing, the, the sort of the neat thing about using this methodology is that um, the bottom half of the simulation results give the users a, a reasonable example of how their portfolios might fare if investment conditions are average to below average to just downright awful. And we're not predicting anything, but we can show, you know, if this is your portfolio, this is how it might look under these conditions. And in the spending phase, the methodology that we're using makes it really easy for us to illustrate remaining balance data. And we do it in five-year increments across the entire range of the simulation. So you can see how long your money would have lasted. Um, like I said, it's really meaningful data from the consumer perspective. Um, it really good and presenting the data in this fashion really goes a long way uh, in terms of making retirement portfolio sustainability tangible and quantifiable to consumers. Yeah, that sounds like, like it would be really helpful information for retirees and also for people approaching retirement to see that. But are there limitations to your software too? And if yes, so, of course. can you explain? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, there would be misleading <laughs> if I said our software didn't have lots of, lots of um, uh, limitations. They all do uh, as far as making uh -huh. future predictions and projections go. So all software does. Um, one of the um, biggest limitations in our software is the, is the inability to illustrate many different types of, of asset classes, particularly specialized asset classes. And that's because the monthly return data for a lot of these asset classes doesn't go back far enough um, to provide a large enough sample size. And um, in Neste Guru, we can only illustrate uh, large cap, foreign and small and mid cap uh, equity asset classes. So um, we don't even bother sampling bond index data these days either because the interest rates today, as I mentioned, are at historic lows. So if we applied bootstrapping to bond index return data, our results would be ridiculously overly optimistic too. So instead, in this day, Guru, we actually ask the users of our software, put in a figure that you actually think you could get today on cash and bonds, uh, what you can realistically earn. In today's, that might be zero on cash. And if you're lucky, you know, maybe one or 2% on bonds. So um, as I said, all software has limitations. In fact, for all of this discussion we've had um, about Nest, uh, you know, we've just had about Nest Egg Guru. In my opinion, its greatest value to consumers is not so much that it, you know it employs bootstrapping techniques instead of running traditional uh, assumption-based Monte Carlo simulations. It's not that at all. And uh, maybe when we get back from commercial break, I'll tell you actually why why we created it and how and how it works in the consumer marketplace and for advisors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nest Egg Guru makes affordable software for financial advisor websites to help advisors better educate and engage with their clients. Consumers today no longer wish to receive book-length so-called financial plans that they'll never read after leaving their advisor's office. Instead, they want to be educated and to participate in the planning process. The three Nest Egg Guru planning apps help address your greatest financial fear. If things go badly in the markets, will I still be okay? Tell your financial advisor to step up his or her game at nesteggguru.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are listening to my two cents we'd love to hear from you on the program today call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 if you'd rather send an email the email address is info at fphawaii.com now back to my two cents here again are your hosts jr robinson and jessica lani rich 
talking today about what consumers should know about financial planning apps with J.R. Robinson. And J.R., what is Neste Guru's greatest benefit to consumers uh, and also, of course, to financial planners because it is a app for financial planners? Sure. So, yeah. Um, so before a commercial break, I was saying, you know, it's um, I was comparing it to other Monte Carlo simulation software. So in terms of making you know, how it's um, how the methodology that we're using has certain advantages over traditional Monte Carlo simulation apps in terms of making especially retirement spending um, analysis and retirement spending illustration. But really, like I said, there's limitations in projecting too far ahead in, in, in that with all retirement planning software. What makes our software different, really the reason I created it in the first place, um, wasn't just to have um, some advantages. I, I don't think we compete head to head against sophisticated, complicated financial planning software really much at all. We have different methodology and different, you know, different certain advantages and certain disadvantages. But the real value of Nest Guru is that the way consumers approach financial planning today is very different than it was 15 or 20 years ago. Consumers today you know, don't, don't necessarily want to sit down and receive a 50-page report that is generated from entering 30 or 50 different inputs into their, you know, to the advisor's back-end financial planning software. They actually want to learn about it. They want to be engaged in the process and see how they can control their own futures and to participate in that process. So what we did with Nestle Guru that's a little bit different is it's 100% client-facing. Um, it's built into the financial advisor's website so that the advisor with the client can go through and change the, the variables one at a time. And you should change, for example, the amount that you're saving and see, okay, this is how it may impact the results under, and we're looking at usually the bottom half of the simulation results. If things go badly, does changing this variable improve or does it make worse the your situation? Just shifting the amount of your portfolio from stocks to um, to to bonds or from large cap to mid cap or from foreign stocks does, if ch does changing the variables improve your situation or does it make it worse so when you're testing all the variables um, it it makes it educates the consumer actually the most important part um, of the financial planning process is to make sure that you're doing things right at the start you know the, the projections will take care of themselves we just you know can't accurately predict what your portfolio will look like 30 years from now the tax laws will change everything will change over that period of time so we can't do that. But if we know that you're doing the things right now, that, that's what makes the difference. And in making our software client-facing, we're now engaging clients in the process. The advisor and the client can work together. And you run, you sit down, you don't just run it and print out a report. You may run it 10 or 15 times, iteratively, changing one variable at a time, changing you know, all the different aspects um, so that you can actually get that education and get and begin to get that foundation right from the start. That's what makes it unique. There really isn't in our space, there really isn't much client-facing financial software. Um, so this is, it's, a, it's more an educational tool than a projection tool. Uh, so wow. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, JR, for that very detailed explanation of the range of limitations of the goal-based planning software. It must have been a huge undertaking to create that software um yes it, it was and is and it um it keeps me out of trouble let's put it that way <laughs> <laughs> and how can our listeners get neste guru so um you know, neste guru is is a software as a service application it really is the, the only people who subscribe to neste guru are other financial planners and other financial advisors. It's intended to be built into their websites. So um, the first thing if um, any listeners want to do is to tell your financial advisor to go out and subscribe to Nestle Guru so you can use it. But um, aside from that shameless plug, um, the you know, uh, if you want to use any anybody who's listening, you can always just go to the Financial Planning Hawaii website at fphawaii.com. And um, if you go there, there's a call to action on the homepage um, right when you get there, it says, um, are you on track? If you hit that, you can run the Nestle Guru apps yourself. And you know, it's intended, to, from the financial advisor's perspective, we built it into the financial advisor's website so that um, it also is useful as a tool for attracting people to their website. People, you know, who doesn't want to know, are you on track for saving for retirement? Or, um, will you have enough? Is sometimes a call to action that they use on their site. So it's to engage people on the site. So anyone can go to the website and just use it themselves and see, you know, play with it, run it over and over again. And see how, you know, changing your um, one of the big things, one of the, the 
the things that makes Nestle Guruism as an app a little bit different from some of the, the other apps. Remember I said the most of the Monte Carlo simulation apps, they all assume that the software is using um, constant allocation with rebalancing as a, as a spending strategy. And like I said, there's plenty of research that shows that that's not an efficient spending strategy, but every Monte Carlo simulation app assumes that it is. So in Nest Egg Guru, we actually built in just four different spending strategies, spending down stocks first, spending with constant allocation with rebalancing, just like the other Monte Carlo simulation software does, spending the cash and bond portion of a portfolio first, and then also spending down um, the uh, uh, stocks only after only when after positive years. In other words, when the stock market falls, you don't sell the stock portion to, um, to help reduce sequence of returns risk. So um, n- none of that is, is intended to suggest that any of those four spending strategies is optimal. But what it does do is it, in terms of demonstrating the value as an educational tool, it shows consumers just how important that decision is. And when you run it, it actually makes a big difference in how long the simulations last and how many more of the portfolio simulations actually make it to the full um, uh, retirement period. So um, that's what its use, use is. You can see from the advisor's perspective, it's useful in making their, their website sort of a hub to attract people. But it's also, uh, from the consumer's perspective, really makes these concepts more tangible and less abstruse than they would be if they were just presented in a, in a financial planning illustration. And I would think that from what you're describing, JR, that the consumer would be very uh, grateful and also uh, grateful to the fact that they're able to follow and learn and adjust and adapt to the stocks, the bonds, or whatever is going on with the market, for example. They're, they're able to be adaptable. Uh, with your nest egg guru. I understand that there's a new app, uh, Password Guru. And can you share with us about that, JR? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess we'll wrap up the, the talk. So nest egg guru is a company is, um, like I said, we make software uh, for independent financial planners. So, um, and our first suite of apps was the nest egg guru planning suite, which was the uh, college, edu- college savings app the retirement savings app and the retirement spending app, which is our real flagship app. Um, and the three of them had some, you know, some unique features and methodology, but really the purpose to, is to engage consumers in the planning process. So we're building another suite of apps. And the first one of them now is, is Password Guru. And, the, and it's sort of a different purpose. So financial planners these days as a group, um, you know, there's thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of us, really. And it's kind of hard to distinguish yourself from each other, right? So um, advisors are always looking for ways to stand out. And um, one of the ways you can do that is to provide services to your client that they're not getting other places and to make yourself valuable to them. So anything you can do that's, that enhances that experience, makes them want to come to your website all the time and makes them want to do business with you and stay with you um, are valuable. So one of the services that um, we're introducing in, in Password Guru is it's, it's basically a password management app. And it sounds kind of silly. People say, well, doesn't everybody have a, a password management app? Well, a lot of people do. And actually, a lot of people don't. But you know, two of the most um, popular password management apps, Dashlane and LastPass, I've seen actually marketed on a lot of financial advisor websites. They steer their clients to these apps. And they're paid apps. And you know, they're, they're not expensive, but it's not really a service they're providing. They're just steering them to that. And you know, all of us in the, who are financial planners typically end up giving our clients services that require passwords. They need to log for me. They need to log into eMoney. They need to log into TD Ameritrade or they need, need to log into Fidelity or you know, the different custodians that we're using. So we're giving our clients lots of passwords. And we certainly don't want them writing them down on sticky notes and putting them all over their computer. Um, so uh, a password management app is very useful, but why not offer free, secure, super intuitive and unique func- uniquely functional password management to our clients. So have them sort if I give my clients three different passwords or four different passwords and usernames and passwords for different applications that they're using for me, why not give them a place to store that and make it easy and they can store their other stuff there too. So Password Guru has um, been in the making for a couple of years now. And um, we're just finishing the beta testing. I'm using it actually myself right now. Um, and um, and a bunch of our, we've given to a bunch of our um, existing subscribers the beta test too, where the rollout will be in January. But I'm really excited about it because I was able to, I've used that, I've used LastPass, I've used a bunch of other password management apps, and I'm able to pick and choose the features out of there that they're, because it's all free, if the financial advisor is going to offer it to their consumer or to their clients for free to use, um, 
we can do things that other apps can't. So there's, there's no like, you don't get, but you give them all the functionality without having to upgrade to a higher subscription price. It's free. So the advisors, financial advisors pay us 150 bucks a year to give an unlimited number of subscriptions of Password Guru to their clients. Clients can store their passwords on this script securely for free. And then people, and then uh, um, part of the functionality that's unique is that um, if somebody says, well, I, I don't, what if I, what if I, I don't like my financial advisor money? What if I want to move it somewhere? You can export on our application. You can export really easily. All of just click a button. You can export all of your usernames and passwords to an Excel spreadsheet and use it to a different app if you want. Um, or you can import, you would give you a spreadsheet. You can put in all of your, wherever you've got your other app stored, import them all at once. You don't have to enter them all at once manually. Um, the interface is super intuitive. So um, it's got lots, just lots of unique functionality like that. We, it'll, there's a password generator functionality. There's um, you know, really make it easy to use so that anybody can use, whether you're tech savvy or not, but really unique functionality. And when advisors offering that to their clients, yeah, like I said, it's a free, valuable service that makes their website a hub, makes their clients want to be accessible from all devices, of course, um, and anywhere 24-7, you can access your stuff. Um, but it's just it's a free service that people appreciate. Nobody has to use it. But I, just in beta testing with my clients, I, I've told them, just don't use your real software on this because we're just testing. I just want to get your feedback on it. A lot of our clients are signing up to ask for it, and I haven't even invited them to use it yet. It's just I put it on the site, and people are asking about it. So. The more services, the more things you can offer like that, um, the more clients will stay with you and the more that distinguishes you from your peers. And that's the whole idea with pretty much all of the apps that we're rolling out. We want to make the client's website a hub for um, but even visitors, even people who are not clients. I have that happen all the time. People just you know, stumble on my website because I'm relatively visible and they'll stay on the site for a while. That, that you know, makes your site rank higher in search engine rankings. And... It just, you know, it's um, uh, all of that adds value to the, to the advisor's practice. And uh, so Neste Guru is, is really for independent financial planners to help them set themselves apart. Um, and so Password Guru is sort of the next step up in that for us. So totally different app, as you can see from the from the three planning apps. But um, I'm excited that rollout should be, I think, in January. They are. I think the fact that people are asking you about this, it sounds as if the market is definitely there for Password Guru. It's something everyone, the majority of us use, and uh, most people have computers and iPhones, and there's so many passwords. To have a Password Guru uh, app that you're talking about, I think it's really exciting, and I can hear the passion in your voice, and you really do stand out from many other financial planners. I always love it when I hear you talk about finding treasures for your uh, <laughs> finding the treasure, the treasure hunt, yeah. for your the treasure hunt for your consumers, and you know if someone's just tuning in right now, could you give us a recap of how I'm um, praising you? I guess from how you do stand out uh, from other financial planners, not just with your app, but I would say with your truly caring about consumers, and that is the whole purpose of you doing this radio show. So uh, <laughs> if you. Can, yeah, thank you. Well, I appreciate the praise. I never turn down praise, but you're, you're very kind. <laughs> yeah, we said along. Is, is this, this show is never was never about, um, although I did uh, this show, I guess it's basically a, a shameless plug for Nest Day Guru. But again, the, the, our audience, I don't think is the, the market for Nest Day Guru. We're marketing to, ind that, to independent financial planners. The purpose of this show was never to market or generate clients for financial planning Hawaii. The whole purpose of this show was to, uh, and was, and is, if, if the show continues, um, to uh, educate consumers, to raise awareness of important issues in the financial planning world, um, and you know, to be a zealous advocate for consumer interests. And that is, you know, that is um, that is the passion that I brought to financial planning. Like I said, I, I love this industry. I love um, the kind of neat things that that financial planners can do to add value to their to their clients. I also really have um, strong feelings about the you know, some of the things that are wrong about our industry. And I'm outspoken on that too. So I think in the, you know, in the last 13 episodes, we've had a bunch of episodes that have helped deal with that. But yeah, in terms of um, my own optimism and enthusiasm for the industry, I'm glad it comes across because it really is, like I said, I'm very fortunate to have in that first show. I explained how I actually absolutely stumbled into this business, but I'm very fortunate to be a financial planner. And um, yeah, they said there's nothing I'd rather be. I really get immense joy from the treasure hunt, from finding ways to save people money or to help them avoid mistakes. And uh, 
Yeah, it's just, uh, it's nice to be able to find passion in whatever you do. I know you've got that in your profession too. And um, I wish that for, I wish that on everyone. And I tell my kids that they're all you know, they're almost adults or they're young adults. And you know, I don't care what they do, find something that you're passionate about and enjoy it. And so far, actually, my youngest said, I'm passionate about video games. <laughs> that wasn't really what I had in mind, but. Yeah. <laughs> hey, some people make a lot of money in video yes, games. Yes, that's what I said. He told me that. You know, Ninja made $26 million last year. So you know, go for it. If you, you have support your parents in the style to which we'd like to become accustomed. <laughs> in closing, JR, what final message would you like to give to our listeners? You know, the final message I'd like to give is just thank you. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. Uh, this has been a fun series to produce. I'm, I'm hopeful maybe we'll produce some more. But even if not, I really I appreciate you, Jessica, for helping me out and co-hosting it. And for all the people who have taken time to listen, I hope you got value out of it, too. I hope uh, I hope you enjoyed really hearing my uh, sometimes opinionated two cents. But it's been a, a great pleasure to produce this show and to work with you. And um, best wishes for a healthy COVID-free 2021. And best wishes to our listeners. Uh, you've been listening to My Two Cents. I'm Jessica Lonnie Rich, co-host with J.R. Robinson, who is the founder of Financial Planning Hawaii and also the co-founder of software maker Neste Guru. We want to wish you and yours a very safe and happy and prosperous 2021. Thank you for tuning in this week to My Two Cents. Be sure to join J.R. Robinson and Jessica Lonnie Rich again next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we talk again, aloha. Aloha.